0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our gospel lesson today includes three pithy parables of Jesus. So what is the kingdom of heaven like anyway? That's the question. Well, Jesus explains in these three short parables. There is an understanding among the early church fathers that Jesus here speaks of the all-importance of the kingdom of heaven in comparison to to anything else that the disciples might uh, seek to obtain. This is the interpretation that uh, Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, who's professor emeritus of exegetical theology at St. Louis uh, Seminary and also um, is the author of the Concordia Commentary series on Matthew, uh, he, he refers to this as the discipleship interpretation. According to the discipleship interpretation of these parables, the kingdom of heaven is the pearl of great price. It is The kingdom of heaven is the hidden treasure. Therefore, the disciples must put everything aside in favor of obtaining this kingdom of heaven. Indeed, The disciples would be better off to sell everything that they had if they could just hang on to this kingdom of heaven because nothing plus the kingdom of heaven equals everything. So lay it all aside and just go after this. This is the prize. The focus of this teaching then is that which a disciple ought to do and how they ought to prioritize their life to be focused on that kingdom of heaven because that's what's all important. Now, as I said, that is the understanding of the early church fathers. And certainly it is true that there is nothing in this world that is worth comparing to the kingdom of heaven. If you have to make a choice between all of the treasures of this world and the kingdom of heaven, the choice is obvious. It's the kingdom of heaven. So that is true. But there is a problem. What if... Just a what if. What if you haven't sold everything in order to obtain the kingdom of heaven? What if this pearl of great price apparently is not really the pearl of great price in your estimation because you haven't done all the things you ought to do as a disciple of Christ in order to obtain this pearl of great price? The disciples at this point in Jesus' ministry do still have a ways to go. And we will see that before Peter himself, for example, before he sacrifices his own life in martyrdom for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ, before he reaches that point, he's going to deny him a few times. And in fact, he's going to flee from capture. He's going to go back to fishing, try to leave this behind him. Peter's not alone. I would venture a guess that once or twice, perhaps more often, you also have laid aside the pearl of great price and followed your own passions, your own whims, your own desires. I mean, you haven't been tunnel vision focused on the kingdom of heaven. And so that's a problem, right? Because... Jesus is telling us in this parable, boy, you better be focused on this because nothing else really matters like this. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the thing you need to sell everything in order to obtain. And if we follow that discipleship interpretation, then that's where that paradigm leads us. It leads us to see our shortcomings because we haven't done all of those things if we're honest with ourselves. You haven't lived up to that calling perfectly. In fact, if you are really hearing the parable this way, you might even become a little nervous right now. You might want to confess to Jesus, Jesus, I have not sold everything to obtain your kingdom. I confess that my faith is not strong enough to even see that that is the pearl of great price, that nothing else can be valued against that. You might confess that. You might confess that you don't believe fervently enough to abandon all earthly hopes and cling only to Christ. You might confess that, in which case, what then is this parable saying to you? Is this parable a bludgeon that hits you over the head? Beats you over the head, says, do better. Sacrifice for Christ. Christ must sell everything to inherit the hidden treasure and let me just say that if that is in fact what Jesus is saying in this parable this is very different from the rest of his discourses so I'm, you can tell by now I don't agree that that's the right interpretation of the parable I'm not alone there's many many theologians since then the church has uh, looked at this parable and interpreted it Christologically Christologically Which is to put Christ at the center of the parable. And that's another way to understand these parables. Start with a context. This will help. Okay, let's start with the context of the parable. As you recall from the last two Sundays, in which we've been reading through Matthew 13, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the midst of troubling times. All is not well. According to our earthly eyes, as as the disciples are looking, everything's not hunky dory. Jesus has been rejected in cities. Remember, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. Jesus pronounced those woes because they hadn't believed him. His forerunner, John the Baptizer, well, he's been arrested, and by this point, he's been beheaded. So Jesus is being rejected in cities. John's head has been separated from his body. And Jesus will next be rejected in his hometown. If you keep reading through chapter 13, you'll see that Jesus is rejected in Nazareth. His hometown, even there he's rejected. And yet he continues toward the cross. And what's going to happen at the cross? Well, we know what happens at the cross. And the disciples are seeing this What is going on? And, you know, if the disciples were expecting Jesus to be like this kind of Messiah that would come down and go and be like shooting lightning from his fingertips and like crushing the Roman conquerors and setting all the Jews free and making Jerusalem the heaven on earth. Well, they are sorely disappointed because Jesus is not even being received by his own people. Even his own people are pushing him aside and not believing the message that he's come with now in that context that is the context in which Jesus gives these three short parables what is the kingdom of heaven like what is it like because it's not lightning from the fingertips and conquering the Romans that's not the kingdom of heaven so what is it then it's not a conquer, if it's not a conquering Messiah, what is it? It's like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What is the kingdom of heaven like? It is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, finding the disciples, finding them, counting the disciples as a treasure, not as a ragtag group of sinful people, but as a treasure, and then going and selling all that he has, the Messiah himself, God in the flesh, selling all that he has to obtain this treasure. That is the kingdom of heaven. Do you see that? Even when we properly regard the kingdom of heaven as that which we must have at the expense of all else. Because that is right. Yes, it is the thing that's worth more than anything else. Even when we properly regard it that way, we will fail to attain it on our own. You cannot attain the kingdom of heaven on your own by your keeping of the law because you don't keep the law and you know it. But, nevertheless, fear not. And that's what Jesus is saying when he says, speaks these words of comfort through this parable, these parables. He's saying to the disciples, don't be afraid. You are a treasure, and I am selling everything in order to obtain you. It might not look like the kingdom of heaven that you were expecting. That's all right. This is what the kingdom of heaven really and truly is. Jesus says that Christ has come, not counting equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptying himself by taking the form of a servant, by becoming a servant, being born in the likeness of men, a humiliation for God to take on flesh of human, of human beings, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, which was a shameful death. You see, that is Jesus selling everything to obtain that hidden treasure. Brothers, Christ has made you his disciples and has claimed you. You are the disciples that he has claimed as his own cherished possession. That's right, you are the hidden treasure. Christ has sold everything to obtain you. Thanks be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.